There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby. And I'm Emma, and we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Sexy first because I'm lying in bed. Oh my god, what an appropriate place for today's podcast subject. Well, I am nothing if not thorough. (laughs) (laughs) When you said I'm going to do it from my bed, I didn't realise you actually meant you were going to do it from your bed. Yes, mate. I have had one of those days where I'm just like, I'm done. I'm (laughs) getting into bed and fuck the rest of the world. Fair apart enough, from mate. apart from the BFN podcast, which I will bring into bed with me. Yeah, well, I'm, we are on fairly intimate terms, aren't we? Yes, yeah. I mean exactly. The BFN podcast has seen more of my lady bits than anyone else. So, <laughs> <laughs> how are you? How's your week been other than today? Um, how's my week been? It's been okay. What did we do at the weekend? God, I can't even remember. It's just kind of rolling into one. The weather is a bit shit, isn't it? It is a bit It's shit. kind of pissing on everyone's parade. I'm fine with it. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay with like a few weeks of heat and then just like cool it down a bit. Everybody chill and then we can ramp it back up again. Cool it down. I, I would prefer if it would like, I don't know, maybe just be a little bit less hot and then a little bit less cold. You know what I mean? It does, it does feel like extremes, but that's climate change for you. That is climate change. And or just the UK. Yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, it's all good. Um, you know, just bobbing along, been to the beach a bit, oh. you know, been for, a, been for a brunch on a roof. Classic. Oh, you... I know, you were supposed to come. So I'll tell you how my week's been. Go on. Well, um, last week was working, so it's kind of normal. It was a normal week. Mm. And then on Friday, I got a phone call to say that some people we'd had brunch with the previous Saturday had tested positive for COVID. So I have spent the weekend self-isolating. It's bullshit, isn't it? 
I was supposed to come for brunch on a rooftop with you, wasn't I? Yeah, you were, yeah. you were. So and how did that go down? Did a friend call you or did a track no, and trace friend. person? The friend. The friend. Um, yeah, that's Rob's mate. But, it, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, we've got, we're dealing with suspected COVID potentially in our household yeah. today. Which yeah, is why we had, today's been a bit rubbish. We had an illness in our house over mm. the weekend as well. It wasn't COVID. We thought it was, but it's not. Yeah. Um, so it's not fun, is it? I feel like I'm a bit scared that COVID's it is definitely rising again. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Do you know what the number of people in my like, not immediate sphere. circle, but like yeah, exactly in my sphere, uh, testing positive is fairly. Um, sorry, <laughs> the cat just sniffed the back of my hand. <laughs> I didn't realise she was there, and it made me jump. Um, <laughs> she's still doing it. Um, yeah, the the number of people in my kind of sphere testing positive is a bit scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My dentist so, went down. No, oh no. Uh, one of the only other people I know in Ramsgate went down. Oh my god. Um, yeah, it's all a bit like squeaky bum. It, yeah, yeah. I feel like more people that I know are testing positive now than in previous spikes. I mean, what's that about? We've- bloody jab i um need to get my second jab yeah well th- yeah this is a thing the person who tested positive had not had her jab not uh, not in an irresponsible way might i add oh god damn it anyway um that's enough about covid fuck you covid yeah, you're not taking over our COVID. podcast i ain't got yeah, time for this we ain't got time for this um so so we're all all right though in the end yeah, of the we're day all right. we're the all right we're fine. everything's Everyone, fine everyone's alive Everyone's alive. Everyone's health um, is <laughs> all right. Um, so what's going on in today's podcast, Emma? Oh, wait a minute. Let me get closer to my mic because oh my we're talking God. about love. I'm just going to say that again. Love. Sexy love. Sexy, sexy love. Well, not, not sexy love, actually. Um, well, so <laughs> this is Marissa Nelson and... You, I think you came across her, right? Yes. Yeah. She um she reached out. She said, "Hey, this is what I do. What do you reckon?" And we went, "Uh, yes, please." <laughs> <laughs> Come talk about love. Um. So she's a marriage counselor. Yeah. And sex therapist. Yep. And she specialises in us IVFers. Us IVFers. We get a lot of emails from people saying, "My sex life is fucked, mate." I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> but um, we do get a lot of those. So, you know, it's great to be able to address that. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, you know, it's something that affects, I think, a lot of people who go through this Yeah, and it's totally understandable. And yeah, she's quite reassuring and practical. And yeah, I think I definitely took some positive tips out of it. That's for sure. Yeah, massively. Um. And we, you can find her if you want her, by the way. Her company is called Intimacy IVF, mm-hmm. um, intimacyivf.com or Intimacy IVF on Instagram. Intimacy. In, intimacy. Um, and we've also got a safe, haven't we? Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's basically just you and me going squee about her <laughs> um, doing IVF. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She talks about how she's feeling about it. And, uh, yeah, it's all very exciting. Yeah, it did strike me that the way we behaved with her, having finally got the go-ahead for IVF, is exactly the same way that a lot of people behave when their friends get pregnant. 
Yeah, yeah, probably. We were doing the same amount of Yeah, I know. It's hard, but I think, you know, Sophie talks about this. It's like, you know, when you're unexplained and you just go and you go and you go and keep going, keep going, there's nothing wrong, keep going, keep going, there's nothing wrong. I think it's just such a step change when they acknowledge you and you end up in, you know, in the system, even if the system is not much fun. No. (laughs) It's still, it's something, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I do have to make an apology to the listeners because halfway through I... I get a fact wrong. <gasps> fact know. wrong. Tell us about your wrong fact. So I was talking about Gonal F. Mm. Um, and the predecessor to Gonal F that I was talking about that was, well, you'll hear the whole story. But suffice it to say, the company was not owned by the Vatican. The Vatican was just <laughs> an investor. Now, you, as a, now you're going to have to listen to the rest yeah. of this to find out what Emma's fact was. <laughs> As a journalist, I feel it very important. A business journalist. Yeah, and the Vatican. They'll come and get you and they'll be like, yeah. you know, they've got the special police and everything, haven't they? Yeah, they do. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was it was an investor. Um, and I will put a link about it, a link to an article about it in the show notes because it is quite an unbelievably great story. No, it's very interesting. Yeah. It's definitely worth it. And um, and that's it, I guess, because Pro T is still on his little summer vacay. Yeah, he is on his little vacay. Um, yeah, so if you would like to get in touch with us, remember all um, questions for Liz welcomed. Just send us an email um, with BFN Agony on in the, in the subject line. Yes, yes, yes. And the email is bigfatnegativepodcast at gmail.com. And the Instagram is at Big Fat Negative. And the Twitter. At Big Fat Negative. And that's it really, isn't it? Except it. Um, as per usual, please rate and review the podcast. Mm-hmm. Please pre-order our book. Yeah. Okay. Hi, so. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. She sounds snazzy. It's <laughs> new. Uh, what's new is, um, as you know, I am now hopefully heading into IVF. Wait. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sisterhood of the Needles. Um, <laughs> so I am, f- yeah, it's good. It's just giving us a focus, it's giving us something to talk about. It's news. It's nice to have news to share with people on this front. Absolutely. And and there's just like stuff you can do, which I'm liking. It just feels like there's lots of stuff happening, which after, you know, almost two and a half years of fuck all happening is, um, is satisfying and exciting. It's a flurry of activity. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So have you got that appointment booked? Which one? I've got appointments booked all over the place. Okay. So talk us through your diary. Um, well, We've done, since we last spoke a couple of weeks ago, I had just that very day been referred for IVF, so was Uh riding a, whoa, is something going on high? Um, That high high has kind of continued, so um, 
Since then, we've both had our blood tests. That's been all fine. We have done our kind of online learning module. Um, Oh, what's this? Oh, it's so snazzy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like, I think to normal people, probably Uh, not that exciting, but I was really impressed with the tech and found it really seamless and (laughs) not strange. This must be new. It looks new. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so basically, um, we had our nurses' um, kind of consent uh, appointment and just like next steps appointment on mm. Monday. So in the run up to that, they um, digitally sent us all of our various consent forms that we had to sign. So stuff yeah. like um, uh, both the practical stuff, like do you give us permission to store your eggs and sperms and embryos, but then also the really kind of moral questions, like what happens if one of you dies or becomes mentally incapacitated? What if that mm. happens when you're in treatment? What happens after you've died? All that sort of stuff. Um, right. But before we were even allowed to look at those forms, which might have been a bit like, whoa, okay, here's some big stuff that we didn't think we had to think about on top of thinking about everything else. Um, you have to complete these videos so you have to watch the videos which kind of talk you through the forms in really straightforward terms and they've got lots of nice pictures of people looking very happy <laughs> with <laughs> you know various things going up look how happy i am with a big needle in my stomach kind of thing oh, yeah, yeah. um so you have to watch the videos but they talk everything through and make it all feel just really fine and they but while doing it saying by the way these are quite big questions so take your time to think about them and you Mm -hmm. can't access the forms until you've watched the videos wow um it's quite cool isn't it yeah i just got shoved in like a dark like airless room with a biro and a pack of shit like you know all of the forms just like go for your life and you just have to whiz through them without even thinking about it yeah we had to sit in a waiting room balance them on our needs yeah well I don't know if this is new because of COVID or it's tech that was always I mean I don't know why I'm talking like like I'm interviewing for an IT role in the NHS (laughs) I don't know I don't know what the plan was I don't know what the operational rollout plan was for this tech but rest assured it's very good and we really liked being able to watch the videos in the comfort of our own home and replay bits and be like oh hang on let's just go back and double check that bit so um, wait, what are the videos showing? They kind of show you the different sections of the form. Um, oh, right. Okay. So they're like, when we ask about, do you want to do um, contact research or non-contact research? This is what we mean by that. This is uh, the implications of that. It just means, you you know, if you opt into this, it means this. Um, and then they talk through different s- scenarios of, um, you know, what you might need an extra form for and when you because I think I would have looked at the forms and for example they you you know they ask you how long you want to store for 10 years is the standard but there is an option to extend beyond that if you have premature infertility and then under UK law you can store for up to 55 years but you need an additional form I probably would have looked at that because I would want to like scan everything and then do the reading and been like yeah oh um do I want to go more than 10 years I don't know like by that point I'll be 46 um I don't know but maybe we should just try and go for extra you know I would have just got into this whole tailspin in my head of like 
making a whole decision that wouldn't even apply to me. But luckily, a, a handy video that I was forced to watch beforehand <laughs> took all that away. That's I good. Want, I wonder if they'll continue with the videos. Like, so when you get given your injections and stuff, and they'd be like, is there going to be like an instructional video for that? Because that would have been, I think, quite nice. Yeah. And it must save them a lot of FaceTime because essentially otherwise mm. a person has to deliver kind of that same thing and probably ask the same, answer the same questions all the time. Yeah. I am wondering what I've signed up to now. <laughs> well, from my recent learning, I can tell you, you can withdraw consent at any time okay. in writing. Uh, to your so you're right, mate, you're covered. Yeah, you're totally fine. Totally. I'm trying to change my address with my clinic and that's mm, taken six months so far. Oh God, has it? Mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't thought about that one yet. Yeah. Mm. Um. Cool. Okay, so you filled your forms in. Done all that. And then we had a nurse's consultation on Monday. Um, she was really, really lovely. She was just talking us. She was just like, all the forms are done. That's great. That bit's done. Um, she talked us through all the medications and the timelines. Uh, I've got my baseline scan coming up um, oh, Monday after shit. next. I know. So that's oh. the next. Will they? Do you will also they, know, they? do you know your med plan? It's not called a med plan. I don't know. Protocol. We're we're using the word protocol protocol these days. Protocol, yeah. I was like, no, I don't. Um, As in what I need to do when. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The brands. brands. Well, let me just, you'll just hear me flipping back in my notebook. Um, Good tip I've learned is having a notebook for all this stuff, a a dedicated dedicated notebook. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I quite enjoyed going to Paper Chase and getting my IVF notebook. <laughs> I don't know why. I, you know. I didn't have anything. I had like printouts that I occasionally took. To you. I mean, I, yeah. any excuse to go to Paper Chase and I'm there. Do you know what I mean? I was very, especially when it, like before egg collection, I was very detached emotionally from the IVF process. I just rocked mm-hmm. up when I was told to rock up and then I fucked off when I was told to fuck off. Mm. well I've um I do feel quite emotionally invested in it actually, but I think mm. that's because it's been so long until mm. anything happened that this is really exciting mm. yeah yeah. Man, um, yeah um okay so i am doing an antagonist cycle so uh-huh. i've got uh gonal f short protocol gonal f yeah my yeah, friend <laughs> yeah and i love the way on video that that works and that um our lovely nurse yeah the little pen is a very satisfying yeah dial it up thing. dial it down yeah. Um, got Fermadil. Oh, yeah. I think that's, that's Gabby was on that. That one. Not yeah. Nice. Yeah. My notes say two to three fingers away from going on F. Mm. Might burn, be painful, approx 30 yeah. to 60 mins. Red ring, that's worn out. Hurts. Yeah. Don't inject into a bruise. I've put a big star by that. <laughs> Ow. Um, mm. Uh, and then I didn't write down the trigger ones because she was like, you're, you're going to get run through everything. I, you know, because I used to be a journalist, I have a tendency to just write, just automatically write down almost everything someone's saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was taking such scrupulous notes that she was like, oh, so the next ones, I'll just show you these. But obviously we will be showing you all of these again after the scan, if, you know, it all looks good in the scan. And then we'll show you, and then we'll send you videos and information leaflets. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. shall, I, shall I just watch that? She's like, yeah, I think you'll be all right. Like, and the trick will show you like another 17 million times, you know, before you do it. So yeah, so that was the fun. trigger might change as well, depending on how everything goes. Yeah, yeah. They can switch them up. 
The trigger is the most exciting sounding one, really. Yeah. Like, it's quite exciting. Wiping those eggs up. It's, it's quite an exciting moment, to be honest, when you trigger. Mm. Well, I don't even know if I'm going to get there yet until I've had my baseline scan. Of course. Of course. Um, but feeling oh, positive. Wow. Um, and then the other thing we've been doing is uh, cancelling everything and giving everything up. the most fun which bizarrely we are finding quite fun because um I know I mean I'm obviously talking about it on the podcast but we're also just telling everyone that we're going into IVF um which is feeling really good um so ducking out of well not ducking out I would have loved to be there but you know had a couple of weddings basically my entire summer was I pretty much had something on every single weekend uh and I've now had to say either cancel it all or say I don't know if I'm going to be there until about a week before for everything planned for the next two to three months wow yeah yeah it's it's almost like freeing because I know what it's like when you get into the summer and every weekend gets booked up and you start to feel a bit claustrophobic in your own fucking life yeah and actually to have an excuse to be like no I yeah can't. I mean not lockdown summer as well yeah it's like normal summer on steroids yeah yeah I just I've got is. every weekend booked up yeah but everyone's just like we're gonna have a party or we've you know I, I just think everything everything's been delayed and postponed for so long that yeah everyone's mm. kind of snaffled all these plans in mm. um which is great but yeah also can be a bit stressful I think yeah. yeah obviously quite a few of them I'm like oh that is kind of a bummer but I'll just see where we land and also it doesn't feel like on paper it's a bummer but I don't have any of the emotional response of bummer because I'm like mm. because I'm well, doing something to that gives me you know 35 to 40 percent chance yeah. uh, of a baby which is, doesn't sound like great odds to most people but to me is so much less than zero percent that it's <laughs> Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, and it's a, it's a 35 to 40 percent chance every single time you do it so I don't I don't know how many rounds you're getting but um that's why that's why nice like suggests three rounds because it's a course of treatment yeah 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 so I find that really helpful to think about like it's not like a you know the first time you do it you should expect it to happen straight away yeah it's a course of treatment that you know that gives you a chance a 35 percent chance every single time you do it yeah yeah and also obviously those stats are not they haven't been like precisely uh calculated for me I stuck them into that tool I recommended last time that got recommended to me that I think Aberdeen University developed um but they are yeah that's what I'm going off at the moment Mm. um and we've also both me and Mr Sophie he has been mega support all guns blazing on this so we've um given up drinking caffeine I've almost completely given up sugar um on this like super healthy diet out of uh, a book not the book that I want in my life obviously which is the BFM book but the book (laughs) I'm using as as a sticking plaster until that book arrives in my life um so like Lots of oily fish, loads of protein. I'm yes. eating like my, my my bits of sugar are coming from like molasses, uh, mm. which apparently have got good nutrients in um, stuff like that. So we're like peak smug club. <laughs> I was kind of thinking by this point, I'm, I would be like just feeling more energetic than I have in my entire adult life because this is certainly the 
you know, the best and healthiest <laughs> things I've put in my body kind of ever. But I'm actually finding that without caffeine, I, I'm really quite prone to an oh, afternoon man. nap. <laughs> How long have you been off the caffeine? Two weeks. Yeah, it took me two weeks to get rid of the muscle aches. <laughs> yeah. oh, God. Like it made me so it made me feel really bad. Like Gabby had no problem at all, did you? But I felt awful for two weeks. I think I was still drinking decaf, which I think isn't great. Are you drinking decaf, yeah. Soph? No, I'm, I've got this um, really good uh, coffee alternative that Mr. Sophie is obsessed with. Um, it's by, uh, are we allowed to say brand names? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's by Whole it's Earth. It's not the BBC, mate. We're not in the BBC. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Also, if they want to sponsor the podcast, they're more than welcome to get in touch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we love the brand. So, on here. again for you, it's Whole Earth. <laughs> it's, it's an organic coffee alternative. So it's like chicory root and barley. And so it basically tastes Ooh, like coffee, wow. but totally caffeine oh, wow. free. But Mr. Sophie um, has recently, through my influence and homeworking, he never used to drink caffeine because he can get a little bit of like you know the kind of caffeine jitters and anxiety mm. but since we've been home working together he's like fully got my caffeine addiction because I'm like oh I'm just gonna pop out for a coffee do you want one oh, I'm just gonna make a cafetiere do you want one um so so this stuff he loves because it's like all the flavor with none of the caffeine and every, every time I'm like oh do you want a um fake coffee he's enthusiastic I mean you know him he's quite an enthusiastic person yeah, but he's yeah. just like yes <laughs> so delicious yes! oh, I love it. like like more enthusiastic you know it's kind of the I guess it's the the peak of our drinking day you know you can't have wine anymore oh my god yeah you've got to have treats oh. man you've got to get excited about treats yeah 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 I really um really lushed out some dried apricots this afternoon I was like Ooh, oh god. you oh. minx yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, um, so do we know if there's a, if, is it one of those big freezer boxes coming your way with drugs in yet? Or is, do you need the baseline scan first? Yeah. Well, she said she would send it around the time of the baseline scan. Okay. Um, That's quite an exciting time, I find. Yeah. I think I chased up about 50 times to find out when that fucking box was coming. <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, we'll make sure that we send it to you before the baseline scan. I was like, great, mine, great, great. Mine arrived at the office. I remember I that. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, apparently it does arrive in discreet packaging and can be yeah. left with a neighbour for up to twelve hours. Mm. Yeah. They always say that discreet packaging because God <laughs> forbid you should be trying for a baby. God forbid anyone should know you're doing IVF. Oh, no. <gasps> Don't tell anyone. I mean, yeah. it's good that it arrives in discreet yeah, packaging. No, obviously, but came covered in like I still find pineapples really and the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also, so, it'd be really funny if it had like a sticker that was like syringes in here. Yeah, no, I'm on. I'm just on the gonal F at the minute. Well, gonal. not yet, but hopefully. Gonal F sounds like pretty shonky drugs, doesn't it? Do you gonal. want me to tell you a story about gonal rings, F? Isn't it? Gonal F was created for years, or the the drug that kind of came before it, because it was synthesized. But originally, it was made with the piss of Vatican nuns piss off wow. <laughs> well, are they in the vatican i don't know if there are nuns in the vatican but definitely mm. R- roman nuns wow because the company that created it was owned by by the vatican and oh. the scientist who came up with it um ha- like basically needed a lot of urine 
from women who were very unlikely to be pregnant and who were, I think, I think approaching menopause or perimenopausal. There's something to do with menopause because you're a certain hormone is higher. That's so interesting. Yeah. So for years and years and years, it was made with the whiz of nuns and then (laughs) gonal F was synthesized from that. Wow, that is amazing. And Mr. Sophie went to school in a monastery. So I feel like we're kind of coming full full circle. Uh You like that fact. Yeah. You might save that for the the first time you do the go to lack. Like, (laughs) by the way, darling, that's some sexy news about this little motherfucker. (laughs) It also means that um, IVF is, is Pope approved. Mm. but I don't know how they feel about embryo storage mm. I mean yeah, that's a the, lot different the embryo storage is now it's I mean I don't know if it will be a reality for us but I'm obviously literally putting all my eggs in that basket mm. um uh is it's just blowing my mind mm. with incredibleness that yeah kind of the the nub of human life can be literally put on ice yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, it's... I've I've always known this, but now it's becoming more tangible for me. It's just it's just blowing my socks off. I found that amazing at the beginning, and now I find it really stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. But I mean, it's a pretty good, nice problem to have. Yeah, it is mad. Well, when that um, baby was born recently, wasn't it that it'd been a frozen embryo for was it twenty years? I think it was like twenty seven years. It was mad. Yeah. Wow. Like completely mind blowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, IVF is full of this kind of stuff. If you really yeah. sit and think about it, it's quite, it's quite great. Yeah. I think yeah. it's quite great anyway. I find it really interesting. Yeah. I like science fiction. So <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's Mr. Science yeah, Mr. Sophie is a big sci-fi fan. So <laughs> when we were kind of like, and uh, will you donate any excess embryos for training? Da, 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 we were like, he was like, yeah, I mean, they could do all sorts of stuff. There's some quite mind-blowing like ethics stuff around how scientists can use human embryos as well because obviously when you're doing IVF they can be kept that you can grow them outside the body for up to six days and then after that it needs to be put in so they can implant but the way the um the way that scientists can use human embryos I think they can keep it for up to 20 days mm. and they're asking for much longer I don't know how I feel about that, but it's interesting. Mm-hmm. What, so it would be grown for 20 days? Yeah, they can grow it for up to 20 days. Oh, yeah. wow. God. It's a lot. I feel a bit weird about it. Also, I was reading recently that they've been like they've been making chimeras a little bit. <laughs> yes, I also read that article. Oh, creep <laughs> yeah. me out, creep me out, creep me out, creep me out. Yeah, yeah, like the it. kind of mishmash of, mm. of animal and human. Yeah, yeah, that creeped me out a bit as well. But but my understanding of um, the permissions you're giving in this context is for people essentially to practice IVF. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I was like, absolutely. You know, you got to. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a completely personal choice. But for me, I was like, well, I'm totally benefiting from the fact people have given permission before. So oh yeah, I'd yeah. be a team team player about it. Yeah. I think by the time you've um, by the time you've created the embryo, and by the time it's like however many days old it's too late to do anything creepy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> As I understand I'm it, not, I'm not sure of that. I mean, I'm not expecting to kind of one day be taking a stroll 
in a nice countryside field and see like a sheep with my face on or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, not. Although it would be quite funny. I don't think we're. I think we. I think we're pretty well regulated in this. Yeah, country. yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. Thank, thank the good Lord. That would be a shock. Yeah. You'd look quite good as a sheep, though, Soph. Oh, yeah, you would actually. You'd look lovely. <laughs> I mean, in this, humid, in this humid weather, you know, I'm not I'm not far off. I've got a real wispy <laughs> vibe going on. Um, so this is great. This is all great. So what's mm. next? So you have, what's your next appointment? Well, I know what's next is not going to be that great. I am going in with my eyes open. I do keep <laughs> saying to everyone, oh, by the way, I don't know when it's going to happen, but if it happens, I'll be really tired and emotional and blah blah, yeah. blah 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 um so yeah but I don't want to process that too much until it happens no, and also you don't know like I no. I didn't find it that bad um, I didn't find it that bad the only bit that was bad was the sore ovaries but you can yeah. get over that and that's like right at the end like and also the egg collection is an absolute dream because you're so sedated I love how much you love egg collection I love it so much <laughs> dreamy sleep i love it's, it i just love being under anesthetic <laughs> i just love it yeah i mean there's you know there's so much to enjoy sophie don't don't think about any yeah yeah get me them sweet tranks yeah exactly Tranquilize it. um well, mate, so by the time we next speak to you are you gonna have started injections n- um probably not quite but i will have uh had my baseline scan so i will know Beast. By then, hopefully, whether or not I'm starting injections, at, you know, in the next yeah. week. So, Mate, times. this is an absolute thrill. We're so yeah. excited. Yeah. Yeah. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Marissa, welcome to our humble podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. 
I am so thrilled to be with you. I am just so excited to, you know, have a conversation with my friends across the pond. Oh, it's yeah. It's so exciting. <laughs> I, love, I love a transatlantic. We do. We do. Yeah. Transatlantic friends. Yeah. <laughs> Gabby, you can humiliate yourself with the, uh, okay, the old American Marissa, accent. I'm going to do the accent. <laughs> so, Marissa, tell us about your journey. Um, for, for me, it was a hard one. And I think that it was hard for a lot of reasons. So, you know, I met my husband and um, we said to ourselves, we're not going to get pregnant right away. We're just going to live on the wild side and we're going to, you know, travel and Uh eat out and do all the fun things that couples do before we decide to settle down. And then when we were actually ready and started having some of the conversations, you know, um, we were like, okay, we're ready for this to happen. Then we started trying naturally. And then after uh-huh. a year, it didn't work. And then after mm-hmm. two years, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And then at the time, I have um, one of my dear friends is an OBGYN, and uh-huh. two two of them, and they were like, you know, Marissa, if you have, ha- you know, you've been having sex for over a year, has it been protected? I'm like, yeah, but he's been pulling out. That doesn't count. And they were like, <laughs> and they were like, no, that counts too. <laughs> you, I think you should. <laughs> well, yes, it's unprotected sex. For oh. you, it, it, it's it's unprotected. Period. I suppose, yeah. And so, um, I I went to the IVF clinic here, and uh, in Washington D.C., and she started saying, "You might need IVF." You know, at the time I was. 32. And Mm -hmm. so infertility was like, excuse me. Like Mm -hmm. I I can't, I could, I I had a hard time wrapping my head around it. Um, She said that my, uh, my egg count was on the lower side of normal. And that if I really wanted to be a mom that I needed to start sooner than later. Mm. And I was completely blindsided. Yeah. Um, I think that there, the other piece to that, that sometimes get left out of the conversation is the cultural piece, because what does it mean uh-huh. to be, you know, a, a woman of color to be come from this big Caribbean family where it was never an issue about getting pregnant. And now it's sharing with my family. Oh, I think I'm and we might have to go through an IUI cycle mm-hmm. and them saying, you don't need that. Yeah. You just go ahead and eat some more sweet potato. I'm going to make some <laughs> plantains for you. You know, you just need to bulk up a little bit and you're going to be just mm-hmm. fine. Right. And so then that added a layer of shame of, OK, well, if I go through this, I really can't share this with my family because they don't necessarily understand or think yeah. that I need this. Um, I was going to so, say, like, how did it make you feel? Yeah. Like, so is it just, it just kind of their response almost minimizes it because they're like, you don't need it. And you're like, no, you're not, you're not listening to me. You kind of, That's you don't, right. just dismissing it. I think I, I close my eyes and I, and I go back and try to think about where I was. I think the thing that comes up for me a lot was, uh, shame and and I my I failed myself you know like you you feel so uh, I try to do everything right I'm a good person I have a lot of love to give I'm charitable I'm a good friend I've been a bridesmaid a thousand times like why is this so hard like Mm -hmm. I have so much love to give like why is it so hard for me to be able to have an expression of 
our love, you know, in our relationship. And so I think that I felt that I felt that my body had failed me in, mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form that it wasn't working the way that I had always thought about, you know, I I'd been trying my life all my life not to get pregnant. And I just thought that when, you know, naturally, well, if I wanted to, and I was ready that this should be a little bit more effortless. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. And then I thought about what would that mean for us if we were not able to have our own biological children, if we weren't able to conceive, you know, your mind starts racing of like, do we adopt? Do we do that right away? Do we do IVF? And how many treatments Uh and how many cycles? And I think that you just feel so overwhelmed with the initial diagnosis of unexplained infertility. Mm -hmm. You're just... I think it would almost at the time would have made more sense if they said, you know what, you know, you have, you know, PCOS and because of that, you might have to do this. I think that I could step into that. You, you can wrap your head, but unexplained infertility could just mean a, a, so many things. Yeah. Um, and so then from there, we started the process. We started an IUI cycle and then mid-cycle, we found out that we were relocating to the Bahamas. Okay. We had just, yeah, we but we had just bought a house the day before, huh? and we were just like, and I, that meant that I had to, you know, close my practice and oh. discharge all my clients, and now pack an entire house again and move. And so it was just so overwhelming, along with a lot of the emotions that are coming up for you. And so we abandoned that cycle. And then that brought another sense of shame because Uh then you feel like, wow, I really, I can't handle it. I'm not strong enough. I don't have Mm. what it takes. Why did you have to relocate so suddenly? Oh, my husband got a promotion. Uh, Yeah. good, Good, but bad. Yes. Bittersweet. Bittersweet Mm. is the, it was bittersweet. And so, you know, I think that stepping into that experience, we took the time to take a break because it was starting to get very emotionally intense. And then I also didn't know how to support my husband. And in between those months, you know, having a miscarriage and Mm. having to kind of pick yourself up from that experience. Mm. And I think that the reason why we've created intimacy IVF and I've stepped into this space is because there's not a lot of support out there for the supporting partner. Yeah, absolutely. And there's not enough resources, information for the couple and how a couple navigates this and how a couple recovers from loss and how a couple strengthens and fortifies their relationship while going through, I would imagine one of the most challenging, trying difficult, you know, situations in their lives. Um, I think that for, for us, it required a lot of vulnerability. And I, you know, I'm a a person who likes to feel very competent. I think that was the thing that was one of my blocks was that like, I wanted to feel like I was in control. I, you know, I wanted to feel like I had mastery over my body, my mind, my, you know, my, I wanted to feel like I was competent and capable. And even if you are in your professional life, in your academic life, in your life in general, this was one place that was bringing, it was so triggering because it was reminding me that I was not perfect. 
Yeah. <laughs> he was reminding when you're Taipei, isn't it? I know. It's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just think you I really thought that I can think my way out of infertility. Mm-hmm. I just thought that okay, well if I just strategize and come with come up with a plan that this could magically go away. And I think that what I had to sit down just with myself and with my husband is really come through and have some incredibly vulnerable conversation that brought up a lot of my, you know, previous hurt wounding and what this experience was touching the different parts of my life, the the sense of loss, the sense of isolation, um, body image, you know, even just fear and relate in relationships. Some of the clients that I work with many times are like, it's unexplained infertility, or it's because of me. And I, you know, it's my eggs, it's, it's my body. What if my partner leaves me? So that sense of abandonment also creeps up. And that's part of what you're processing as well. It's not just the diagnosis and the treatment plan and all of these things. It's also what's under the surface that this is touching. And I think that that was what was coming up for me. And I think for my husband, he also always had a desire to be a father. And I think that seeing me seeing me struggle, him struggling and feeling like he had to be quote unquote, the strong one. Mm. I think it it didn't allow him in the beginning to be as open, as vulnerable as um, he wanted to be. But I think that through time and through some skill building on both, you know, both of our, for both of us turning towards each other and using the experience, it really transformed our connection it really deepened it, strengthened mm-hmm. it, and then it allowed both of us to be be supportive of each other in a way that I don't think that we would have otherwise been. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the foundation that you can continue to build your relationship on that can withstand whatever comes your way. Because this is not the only time in your life that you're going to go through something difficult that you're going to mm-hmm. need to lean on each other for. So you did eventually conceive by IVF, right? Not by IVF. One day I thought I had a, um, we moved to the Bahamas and, Uh you know, we said, okay, we're going to go back to the US and, you know, start a cycle. And then I started feeling uh, pain, which I thought was a bladder infection and found out I was pregnant. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's good. But that was four years in, right? That was four years in. Wow. That's, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, I was going for four years and it really feels like an eternity when you're going through it. It does. It really does. So um, one of the things that you talk about is redefining infertility for couples. Yes. What does, can you kind of talk about what that means? Yes, absolutely. I think that for me, when I think about infertility, sometimes it feels like, um, a linear focus and even just infertility care feels like a linear focus it's medicalized it's about the treatments the outcomes the you know what are the percentages of IUI versus IVF what about you know donor egg donor sperm like it it's very it's so technical but it removes what the emotional experience that couples are going through is. It removes the cultural, the cultural implications, your background, your story, your history. 
it takes you further away of how infertility affects your sexual functioning, yeah. how it affects is, affects your sexuality, the way you look at your body. So when I talk about redefining infertility, it's you it's allowing couples to see this as ways in which they can use the experience to grow uh-huh. personally and as a couple. And also while going through the process, how do you use this experience to transform the way in which you look at your partner and even your relationship? Um, How can you look at pleasure differently? How can you look at, you know, joy, pleasure, decision-making differently? Because those are the the keys that are required for you to go through this process together and not lose your sanity. One thing that Gabby often says is that she got to a point where she just saw her husband as a kind of walking sperm machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's very true. Gabby, you know, share with me what was is that is that how you felt that he was it was a means to an end and that sexuality was about, you know, it was about creation. It yeah. was really about yeah. creation. It was sex became kind of I just I, I knew that I needed to top up of sperm for me to feel like I tried as hard as I could that month and I would just mm-hmm. I knew where I needed to get that from and that you know and and then I'd kind of set about my ways of trying to lure my husband into bed <laughs> with no you know all of the old reasons for having sex were just not there it was literally just because I needed the sperm which is awful and I you know I've I don't know if he's ever admitted that he could tell that that was the case but I'm pretty certain he could And I wouldn't say that it's awful at all. It's just that during the time, the focus becomes a little different. And I think for women or those who identify as women, you know, it's just the the focus of sexuality and the meaning of sexuality becomes so different, right? Mm. And so we step back away from our pleasure. We step back away from what feels good and we step into what needs to be done, Mm -hmm. right? And so that takes us out of our body. It takes us out of our spirit. It takes us out of even just feeling again. And I think that infertility and that that's what happens as well is that we forget to feel um, it's hard for us to feel. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. And so it's not as much a focus on pleasure and what feels good to us. It's about what needs to happen in order for us to accomplish the goal, you know, you yeah. know, or to, yeah. to get to get there. And I think that that's one of the things that I really want couples to redefine what sexuality means during in in this space that they're in. That doesn't necessarily have to be to conceive. But I wonder what the you know, what that could, what couples can create if they work together to still be able to incorporate pleasure. And even if it gets to a point where, you know, somebody's saying, yes, uh, this is what's coming up for me and I'm feeling like you are a baby making machine. (laughs) How can we bring you back to your, your body and to pleasure? What is the best first step to even get there? Is it that maybe massage feels safe and that's the way Mm -hmm. that you feel connected, but you can still incorporate touch, right? Is it just how do you redefine 
closeness. Like, is it okay to, you know, be close without clothes on, to cuddle in bed naked? Or, you know, like couples have to negotiate and renegotiate what those boundaries and what pleasure looks like within sexuality, even if that is, you know, they are still having sex for, you know, to, to be able to conceive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that all makes a lot of sense. I suppose it's about, is it kind of, you know, you look at the the space that you're in and what you're trying, your goals at that time. And then hopefully after, once that phase has passed, for whatever reason, you can kind of, again, go through that redefinition again. Yes. I think that sexuality, the one thing that I think that we get wrong about sexuality is that I think for so many of my clients, they're still having sex like they're 20. And (laughs) (laughs) not over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, but for some people, it's almost like having a, you know, a different prescription of glasses. It's essentially like a lot of the attitudes, beliefs, scripts that we have around sexuality, around pleasure, many times is around performance, is around just about orgasms, ejaculation, and all the things. Those things are wonderful. But I think, again, the missing piece many times is that connection, pleasure, and also the evolution of sexuality. Mm. And what works for you and your body at 25 and 35 may not work at 45 or 40 or even a year ago. You know, I think that we're constantly changing. We're constantly updating and evolving what feels good to us, what we like, what turns us on, what turns us off, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that couples need to be able to check in with one another and constantly be a part of that evolution instead of, you know, Many times couples will, you know, engage in intimacy. And I can tell you the stories of so many people who be like, we've been together for 25 years. I can't stand the way that my wife wants to, you know, initiate sex. It turns me off. <laughs> That's right? a bad relationship. But I don't want it. But they say, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to hurt my partner's feelings. So sexuality is really this realm that feels uncomfortable and feels vulnerable. But also yeah. there's a, it, it feels uncomfortable to tell your partner what you want what's not working because you don't want to hurt your partner's feelings. So then two people have their own vision, expectations, turn-ons and offs that they're not sharing with each other. So they're just having sex in a, I guess, a dialogue of conversation in their head instead of having embodied sex, embodied sexuality, meaning, you know, sexuality where you can bring your mind, body, spirit to the experience and really be able to share pleasure Mm. as a couple, but also pleasure within yourself. That's important to me. So how do you create a space where you can have that discussion? Because it is, it's very hard. And as you say, it's hard to be that vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It is. What do you think is the hardest part of sex? Having it, talking about it? It it depends how tired I am. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> Depends how my day has gone. It's true. I will say that for many couples, it's talking about it that mm, is the hardest part yeah. of sexuality because, you know, I think the thing about sexuality is that it touches on, I think, a lot of different parts of who we are our body image issues, shame, guilt. Mm. Um, you know, pleasure, even, you know, if we don't want pleasure, you know, our our own expectations for sexuality and orgasm, our own um, insecurities. 
And so when we talk about sex, I think that it's important, you know, the conversation that you have with your partner. Oftentimes when we talk about what we don't want, it's usually in the course of during sex or after sex. Yeah. Mm. And so sexuality can't be or within sexuality and within when you are trying to bond as a couple, that can't necessarily be the place. It can be if you have safe communication from the start. But if that's something that you're still working through and growing through, this has to be an ongoing conversation outside of the bedroom as well. It can't just be when you're having sex. I don't like that. You know, like, don't do that because then that makes people back away and then withdraw. Right. And we Mm want to we want to use communication as a bridge to bring people closer to us. And so outside of the bedroom, I'm really curious about what does the function that sex or sexuality serves for each person. So one person in a couple might say, I use sex or sexuality for me is about stress relief. It's about, you know, an emotional connection. It's a place to be naughty. It's a place to regress. It's a place to be erotic and um, playful. And for some people, they're, you know, of of a partnership, they may say, this is a place where I feel cared for, Mm -hmm. or I feel nurtured, you know, because outside of the bedroom, I have to be responsible and in charge of everything. And you know what, in sexuality, I actually want to be taken care of, or I want to be submissive. And so I do think that it's important for people to, in order to start the conversation, to start thinking about the function that sexuality serves for them, and what gives to them and how it feeds them and maybe even how it fuels their connection too. I had a couple that I worked with last night and said, you know, sexuality really um, is renewal. He used the word renewal when we feel disconnected or, you know, when we've had a long week, when we make love, it really is a sense of renewal that whatever the space that was between us is now closed that gap because that helps him feel emotionally connected to her, right? Mm, And so it just depends what that means for you. So I would start there. I also am very curious to know um, what people's sexual cycles are because how do you even even ask for sex? How do you even know that you Mm -hmm. want it, Mm -hmm. Uh right? Because many times if you have a a partner who has higher desire – yeah. The partner is the one who's like, hey, want to have sex? Want to have sex? Want to have sex? Hey. And the other partner have sex? is like, not tonight, dear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the other partner is, yeah, and the other person's like, I- I'm not in that space. So yeah. it's important for both people to know how do I allow myself to be turned on to sexuality? And what do what is it within myself that I require to be turned on or sensual? I've spoken to so many people who say, you know, ugh, I don't even feel like sex. But when you do a sexual history with them, they have this fantastic, you know, sexual life, you know, and they would say, you know, sometimes what brings me to sexuality is when I take a bath, when I take care of myself, when I shave, when I have a nap, when I have some time to myself, when I'm able to like, feel like the house is clean or have Mm -hmm. a cigarette or whatever, whatever that is for certain people. And then also understanding how can somebody ask you to be intimate in a way that feels safe, nurturing, accepting? Because many times the way they weave and make bids for sexuality is is a turnoff. Yeah. Um, and I think that many couples have to examine that as well. I feel like infertility and what happened after that or what has happened since 
infertility and my diagnosis has really changed how I feel about my body. I think some men find it hard to keep up with how their partners change during yes. during infertility and you know anything subsequent. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I just I think that it is, it is the I, I I call it benevolent goodwill because I don't think that it's ill intention, uh-huh. mm-hmm. but I think that it's socialization. Because think about the way in which men, males are socialized to believe and think about sex, sex as in, you know, getting partners to have orgasms and having that affirm their masculinity, having that affirm their sense of self and who they are, right? And that a lot of them, their sense of self is wrapped in sexuality and can they please their partner? Can they be sexual with their partner? Can they keep their partner satisfied? Right. Uh And in the absence of that or when that doesn't happen and, and, you know, a partner is not desirous of them all the time or is not reaching out to them for, you know, to to initiate sex, there is a, a deep sense of longing and sadness and loss and disconnection. And now men feeling like, does my partner want me? Am I desirable? Am I, you know, is, are they not attracted to me? That is the recurring theme that I hear in practice mm-hmm. that so many, you know, in heterosexual relationships, so many, you know, male, male partners will feel like, well, my, my, my partner doesn't want to have sex with me, you know, or every time I ask or every time I get close to them, they recoil. So it makes me feel like I'm not attractive anymore, or it makes me question whether they love me or want to be with me. And so, yes, I do think that, you know, to your point, it is kind of challenging, not just for men, but just for women too. I think women take the biggest hits because we are, you know, sometimes you can be so critical of we can be so critical of ourselves uh-huh. and our bodies and what we should be doing and how we should be acting and what we should want, uh-huh. right? And I do think that we, our self-esteem, particularly after infertility or through infertility, our sexuality does evolve and change to where if you don't feel good about your body, do you think that you are going to be 100% open to inviting someone to touch you, to be close to you, to see it and to experience pleasure? Mm-hmm. And infertility can make you feel so bad about your body because, you know, firstly, it's not working as it should. Secondly, you know, you take a load of hormones. That's, that doesn't help with your body image. Yes. Um, all the surgeries that you go through, like every time I had a surgery, it would make a new hole in me and I'd have a new scar and it was awful. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yes. And, and then sexuality becomes a place where it's a reminder. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just, I was just working with a client two days ago where she said, you know, she, she was very emotional and she said, you know, with intimacy, I, I remember what sex used to be like before. I still am that person in my head, but every time I have sex, even though I love my husband, you know, we realized and made the connection for her that it's a reminder of what she what she was not able to do. Mm. Yeah. That's so hard. As a kind of maybe one of our final questions, I think something that often comes up and that we've kind of discussed today is that, you know, infertility, you know, brings couples closer together going through the experience. But I'm, you know, I'm sure there are people listening to this who who don't feel that that is the case. What would you say to them? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think that is very true that, this experience can 
you know, bring you closer through, through, you know, your shared experience, or it can tear you apart because of the pain, the numbing out and the way that couples deal with this on their own and then together. Right. Mm. And so for the couples that are going through this, like you're not alone, there are so many people, so many relationships that have been strained because of this process. Uh-huh. But does it mean that the hope has to be lost because there's always a way to come back to each other, to come back to your connection through effective communication? So one of the things that we talk about um, is, you know, how are you showing up for one another? Mm. And I think that, you know, many times as you're going through, you know, diagnosis, surgery, blood draws, you know, procedures that the relationship and the partners get lost in translation. And a lot of times if you didn't have good communication or you were just learning each other's communication and the way in which you deal with tough situations and your coping mechanisms before you were going through this as a unit, This just put, you know, this just really exacerbates everything. So it's very important for you to always be emotionally accessible. So how are you showing up for each other when you're talking? Are you, you know, being dismissive? Are you, you know, are you defending yourself? Do you find that you have like a defensive posture because you're irritated and annoyed? You know, like there's some other stuff that might be going on in your relationship that's kind of getting in the way of you really being able to, you know, have effective communication and really be able to understand where each other is coming from. Um, So make sure that you're coming to, you know, each other accessible Mm, in an emotional uh way. So if somebody is saying, if you're asking your partner, what's wrong? I know that something is wrong. I can see it on your face. You're a little distant and somebody says nothing. Then the next response is not to just walk away. The next response is to be like, look, I know that you're not, you may not be ready to talk, but I am here for you. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I want you to know that when you're ready to talk, then I I will do everything that I can to understand you and to love you and to accept you. Like I, like there has to be there has to be a safety, right? And mm-hmm. the only way to to lay the foundation for safety is to let people know that they are seen and that they are accepted exactly as they are so -hmm. that they don't have to step back or withdraw because they're afraid of how their anger, their grief, their sadness, their frustration is going to come across to you. They have to know that you can handle that and that you're going to be there for them. So I would say, you know, be emotionally excessive, you know, accessible. Yeah watch your the way in which you communicate to not come back through defense because we're very we we always want to protect ourselves and keep ourselves safe and it's so easy to do as well to slip into that it's easy to be snippy Uh you know Mm -hmm. it's very easy to be snippy sometimes but it also requires both partners to check their own behavior Mm -hmm. part of what creates change is if as a family therapist i believe that if you change one person in the system the entire system has to react differently it's just the way that it is that's just how energy works and so if you recognize you know what sometimes i know i can be short because that's just my personality and i have a ton of things on my plate. Mm. What does it take for your own self-care so that you can slow things down? And when you realize that you're being snippy, you can catch yourself and say, you know what? 
listen, I apologize for being snippy because we're not perfect people Mm -hmm. and this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. But you can say, you know, I'm really sorry for being short with you. Let's spend some time together. I'm really sorry for being short with you. That wasn't about you. It was really about X, Y, and Z, but Uh I'm here now. Like it's about just redirecting sometimes that we're not perfect and letting our partners know it's not your fault. I'm here for you and we're not going to always get it right, but you love each other and you're committed to working on it together. I think that is a perfect place to end. Yeah. I think uh, I'm going to go off and be really kind to my husband. Yeah, I think you might have just just saved my marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Marissa, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a joy. Oh, thank you so much. I'm just so excited to have been able to spend some time with you. And I hope this was just helpful. And if you need me, I am here for you anytime. say goodbye it's time to say goodbye i'm um, not gonna sing it i was gonna sing it i massively wimped out no sorry yeah no it's, it's fine hard one to sing if, if i had had one more glass of wine than i've had i.e no glasses <laughs> of wine then i would i would sing it i go f- yeah. full andrea bocelli you do have a lovely voice i when i do my opera singer impression people cry <laughs> stop yes and so before we leave you we'll give you a little breadcrumb that will lead you tantalizingly to next week's podcast won't we emma uh yes so we're speaking to a surrogate yeah that's interesting isn't it put is that, that in right... your pipe and smoke it is that the right word he's a surrogate somebody a surrogate. Who... Yeah. So uh, she's actually a woman who's founded a surrogacy agency now. Mm. Her name is Rachel Westbury. She, her agency is called Nappy Endings. It's a UK and US based surrogacy agency, but she has been a surrogate four times yeah. or three times for four babies. She loves it. She loves it. Yeah. Um, that conversation, like I literally <laughs> came away from like slightly mind blown. Mm, didn't yeah. I? Yeah, I was texting you for about two hours afterwards, yeah. being like, "What about yeah, this? Wasn't that just great?" <laughs> yeah. So um, it's a really interesting conversation. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so look forward to that one, guys. Yeah. Tune in next week. Till then, use all of the intimacy stuff as well while we while we're away. Oh yeah, please, please, please enjoy bed. that. Get into bed yeah. like me. Hello. I'm not getting out of bed. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> See you later. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.